The topic for today is doing more with your life. Have you ever, ever asked that question of yourself? Have you ever said, I want to do more with my life? Yep, okay, two people have. I can see a little nod, there's three. So, believe it or not, I think we actually ask this question a lot. And I think we ask it through different life stages that we go through. You know, um, when, when, we, when we maybe even hit high school, you might go, oh, there's more to my life than just going to school. There's more to my life than just doing this. There, there needs to be more. And when you get out of school and maybe out of university and you're, you're, you're in your early 20s and the world, you think you know everything and you think you can change the world. Caleb's not saying, Caleb's not helping me out here. He should be going, yeah, 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 I know everything. I can change the world. It's, it's, you're going, I, there, there must be more to my life. There must be more to this. I want to do something. Have you noticed that recently within our society, things have been changed, new companies, new initiatives, things are helping people, have all been put together by the younger generation and they're doing it in ways that we never thought we could do possible because they've gone, there must be something more in my life. There must be more than this. And I think we also ask this question when we, um, when we have kids and they're growing up and... You know, maybe you've been mum and you've been at home with the kids for a while and suddenly they're at the age where you're a little bit free and you go, there must be more to my life than just this, than, than you know, kids and school and pick up and that I want to do more. Drop off. Drop off. <laughs> but we also, you know, and I think one of the biggest times we do this is when we have a midlife crisis. Now, I'm not going to ask anybody to you know, rat themselves out whether they've had a midlife crisis or not, but the question you often ask yourself when you're going through that point is, there must be more to my life than this. I've been doing this for so many years, I want something new, I want something different. And I think you even ask it when you're retired. You know, I'm no longer in the workforce, I'm no longer doing these things that I used to do. And I'm sitting here and I'm going... There must be more to my life than this. It's a question we ask. It's a question we're going to be tackling today. But I'm going to invite Chris to come out the front with me. Because Chris and I, a couple of weeks back, we... I'm going to get him to stand in front of the lectern. He's going to be... There you go. You can, you can hear him now. <laughs> okay. Maybe I should get down and you can take over. <laughs> not quite, not quite. Chris and I had the opportunity um, to go to Haiti uh, with Compassion. Now, Compassion, just a little recap, Compassion is a child sponsorship program. Um, it's, put on, it's, it's run by the church um, and it actually came into being after the Korean War and it now sponsors kids um, all around the world. Um, and in Haiti... Haiti is um, probably the, uh, one of the poorest countries in the world, not the poorest at the moment. Uh, it's trying to build themselves out of that place. But um, we as a church, we have a number of children that are sponsored um, through Compassion there. We also um, have a bit of a church partnership um, as our church with a partner church within Haiti as well. Um, and so we had the privilege of seeing all the various different aspects 
of um, Compassion's work within Haiti. And it was a really, really great experience, really eye-opening and really valuable experience. So I'm going to ask Chris, yeah, I get you to ask it to Chris, um, and he can pick which image yeah. he wants to show. Um, what was the most um, important, valuable thing that you... Oh, it's different. Slightly different. Oof. I'm going to keep him on his toes. Oh, no. What was the best thing then? What was the best thing? Okay. Well, it was the best thing for me was the last day that we had, well, doing stuff, not flying or anything, but the, the last day we had there was our fun day. And that fun day we got to meet our two sponsored children, um, Rudolph and Jemina. Rudolph's holding the ball and Jemina's holding on to me. And it was, it was meeting them. When we first got to the resort, we, <coughs> where the fun day was at, we, we got set aside to the, the sponsors, us, we were, we were on the grass area. And then the children were set aside and they got called individually to come meet us. And when they called Rudolph and Jemina, they started, they just ran and they leaped into my arms. And the joy in their face was just, was just amazing. There's another photo. Jemina. It was just, it was a great time to just play and have fun with them. It's pretty amazing. So yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience to, to not only just um, meet our kids, but to see that it's all real. And I, see that, I think that's the thing. We often do sponsorship of children and we don't actually, we, we go, it's a really good thing, it's important, but it's the, bring it down to the real, um, real things. Now, let's just flip, flip back to the, the photo of both of us. How old do you think Rudolph is? Six, eight. So he, he seems quite young. He's actually older than Jemina. He's... He's, um, he's 10. So this, it, it's part of the things about malnutrition is you look a lot younger. You don't grow as well. You, you, bit of a stunted growth. So he's, uh, unfortunately, when he was very young, he had quite severe malnutrition. He now um, is doing much better, but it's had an effect on the body. And so we see that. And so being a you know, a um, sponsored now, he gets to have more than what he had and his family gets to have more than what they had be before. Okay, so, so we've, we've, we've had the, what was the, the, the best part about it? Yes. So what was the hardest thing? Do we have that? Here it is. <coughs> um, we got to go to a, a, a program within Compassion called... Um, child survival program and this mother and her child went to that program and for each each day each program we did uh, a couple house visits and this mother was one of our house visits we went to her house as her house is in the background it's the it's just the one with the the fences and the gate and it was one of the smallest houses that we visited it was I would say it's the smallest yeah yeah, about the smallest. We, we, there was, it, 
It could barely fit her family, but when we came in, about five of us came into her house, there was almost no room. It was boiling hot, sweating, <laughs> sweating. <laughs> um, and just to see like the lack of everything that she has, She's, she doesn't really have much in that house. She shared it with three children and her mom. Yep. Yeah, and three her, children. And, and her sister. Her and mom her and kids. her sister. And then her sister's kids. Yeah. So that was a lot. And the corridors you could barely fit through and and the and while we're in there the power went out and it was just amazing to see how they just live like that. But it's also coming back home and realizing how much you have compared to what they have and how much we take for granted and yeah. So, yeah, and this place is, where we were visiting at this place is in a part of the, we visited two areas, Cap Haitian and um, Port-au-Prince. Port-au-Prince is the capital and Cap Haitian is the second largest uh, city in, in um, Haiti. Uh, and it's up in the north, so it's not too far away, far away from where the hurricanes came through, but um, uh, no real damage from that in, in that time. So that was, that, was, that was good. But what you can see is that uh, we, in order to get there, we were at the um, Child Survival Program Centre, which has a school associated with it, um, and we had to walk through all of the streets to get there. Um, and it's all through the back alleys and laneways and unfortunately open sewers and things like that just to get to this location. So you can see life is hard. And, and this is not in the actual... This, this place is not too bad. There are other areas that are even harder. So we need to realise that even in these areas, life is difficult. But they are so grateful. Um, she was so grateful. This mum was so grateful to compassion because the, the little child you, you see hold, holding on to her um, was, was really sick and she actually had the ability to take him to hospital, which is something that you don't normally get to do. I just want to, I'm going to let Chris go for a moment. I just want to, um, I just want to actually say, there's one of the things about this child survival program that's so amazing is that what happens um, without compassion in there? A child gets sick, uh, and malaria is quite prevalent in, um, in Haiti. You know, Chris and I are still taking our malaria tablets. Um, but a child might catch malaria. What the, what the family needs to do is go around to all their family and relatives to try and get enough money together to buy the medicine. The problem is, by the time they've done that, the child is so sick they often die. So one of the things that Compassion does and the Child Survival Program does is when they're enrolled within this program, they get access to medical care immediately. So if they need medication, the centre actually has all that medication stocked, ready to go. And they employ a, um, a nursing sister to help all that process happen. So if they need malaria medication, it's there. If they need ibuprofen for, for fever, it's there. And it's ready and accessible and it's given straight to them. It's a fantastic program and amazing. And it makes such a difference to the lives of these families. And she, you know, even in this hardship, she's so grateful for what happens. 
So the, just to give you an idea of a, a rundown of what we'd do, is we'd, we'd go to um, various churches. We'd have a, spend the, the morning in a church, um, and the church is the Compassion Centre, and we'd run that, and we'd introduce ourselves, um, and we'd have to get out the front and introduce ourselves, and we'd get up, and Chris would come, you know, come up with me, um, and we're at one place where we had, it was probably about, two, it's, it's at where all these kids are, um, had about 200 plus kids there, just in the church, and they were just um, parts of the sponsor kids that are there. And the, the translator said to me, said, tell, tell them how old Chris is. Because he's standing there, you know, Chris standing next to me, he's standing up around here. And he goes, and I said, oh, I brought my son along, and he's just to come and see the, uh, the amazing work that Compassion's doing. And he's 15, year, 15 years old. And what did they do, Chris? They, they just could not believe that somebody so tall was only 15 and the fact that he was 15 and he was coming to see them. And you, you spent the, the rest of the morning and the afternoon you know, running around and mucking around with the kids, um, playing soccer. Um, by the time you know, it, it came to lunchtime, um, Chris was this massive ball of sweat. Uh, because it's quite hot in Haiti. Um, it's humid and it's, it's hard and you're wearing you know, longer clothes to try and keep yourself protected from, from all that's going on. But with each, with each compassion centre and each church, what happens is that they, they actually develop and create a school so that kids can be educated and they get their education through the compassion centre. So this is actually one of the classrooms we visited um, and, and these, this is, what, what age were these kids? They were the 8 to 11 years old. Um, and so they're, and they were, they're just doing their regular schooling. And then they also do their compassion stuff as well. And, and one of the things that I thought was, you know, I'll just show another one of the school photos that we had. So and you, they're, just having, they're just a little bit of a break um, after their lessons. And so we were just about to head out and do a home visit. Um, and the kids just came out and wanted just to have a bit of a muck around and play. This actually, Compassion Centre, if you actually have a look at some of the buildings, all of that was levelled in the earthquakes. And what Compassion International did is they rebuilt all of these buildings for, um, for this centre, and they're all up to earthquake, so seismic and uh, cyclonic um, specifications. Which, you have a look at the buildings around the place, most of them aren't. So this is actually one of the safer buildings in the area, so, which, is, which is amazing, and it's a great, great testament to the work that Compassion does and also continues to work in there. But um, we're at um, one of these centres, and they do different classes, and this is what I think is such a, such a great thing about Compassion. Not only do they do the standard education through the schooling, but then they do um, the next level of education, um, and so here, we've got um, the, the, the 12 to 14-year-olds here, and we, we got to sit in on some of their lessons. And so they're doing here a, a spiritual lesson. So part of the program is that they will, and Compassion writes the full curriculum for all of the ages, and every centre will run these curriculums. And so here's, they're, they're actually looking at the spiritual, the, the attributes of God here. And so... You know, you might be wondering why a soccer ball's there. The soccer ball there was there to toss between the kids to 
they would have to answer back what an attribute of God was. And if they got it wrong, and they're all standing in a big circle within their room, they had to dance. So two boys got it wrong. So guess what they had to do? They had to dance in the middle of all the kids, so, which is a little bit of fun, um, but um, you know, really good. But then, then we actually got to go to one of the other classes, and this was for the 18-year-olds, this class. And here's, here's the teacher, and he's teaching them a real practical life skill for Haiti. He's actually teaching them how to wash their hands. How many people know how to wash your hands? Okay. How long do you wash your hands for? 30 seconds? Sorry? You should, there you go. Annette's, Annette's telling us from, from her training, length, wash your hands for the length of time it takes you to sing happy birthday. <laughs> so, which is actually a reasonable length of time. But, you know, generally we would take, the, you know, you might get a cake of soap or a squeegee thing of soap and you do that and I wash my hands. The, here, you're actually being taught how to wash your hands for safety, for cleanliness, because you actually, most of these places don't have safe water. Um, and so they're teaching these kids how to wash in order to reduce disease. So really practical things. And you wash from, how many people wash from their arms from here? Now we, we generally only wash here, but they wash from here down so you've got to wet all the way up there and then you've got to get your soap, medicated soap, do all that, do all of this and, and, and then they had to, the kids actually had to then do it and then it's cleaning in around the nails and underneath the nails and scrubbing, getting your nails and scrubbing your hands and stuff, all between and stuff, rinse off. It's like a surgical scrub. But it's there so the kids will learn what it's required in order to stay healthy within the environment they're living. Amazing, practical stuff. You know, people say, does, does this program, does child sponsorship work? The answer is yes. Not only do they get extra food, but they get a whole range of extra support and information and life skills. They just set them up for, for much more. So they get education, they get the life skills to, to keep them healthy. And we... You may actually remember that we, as a church we've um, done what's known as a, a critical intervention. So when, when um, uh, areas require a bit of um, extra work or extra care um, or there's an issue that's happened, um, Compassion with the local church will put in a, an application for a critical intervention. And this location where this was, this is a Compassion Centre in the country, so they had no um, town water or anything like that, and the town water in the, the towns, you know, we were told um, not allowed to drink any of the water, don't brush your teeth in any of the water. When you wash your hands, you've got to you, then use your hand sanitizer just so that it can keep us healthy. So you're thinking about all those precautions that we have to take, bottled water for everything. Um, in the country, they didn't have any water, so they did a critical intervention. They did the, a program of them putting in a clean water filtration system. So we, we got to see this building right near the front of the, the complex of the church, and in there is actually a reverse osmosis uh, water filtration unit. So they get incredibly clean water 
from this, which is used at the centre, and then they charge back to the community um, at a much reduced cost. Um, they can sell clean water back to the community. So, and that little bit that they charge allows them to maintain that water filtration system. So we talk about having the living water of, of Christ. Here's the living water of Christ in action within Haiti, giving back to that community. So this is an amazing resource for, that the church has been able to put in, not only for the kids, but also for the whole community, making a change in, the, in what's happening to the location and to the, the community in general. Um, you might think that um, child sponsorship, I'll just, I'll, I'll just show you a picture of the, the people that we travelled with. There's a whole range of um, different people, different ages. Uh, you can see that um, uh, Chris and I were the only male travellers apart from David who was the tour guide. Um, so here's the one from Australia, from Compassion Australia that was taking us over there. And so we, we were kind of outnumbered, male to female kind of ratio. Um, but all different ages, lots of different ages, and they're all sponsors. They all sponsor a child or two child or three child children or five children, um, and they all come from all over Australia, from you know, up in Queensland, Tasmania, Western Australia, from all over the place. And they all have kids that are sponsored in Haiti as well. So, Pamela, being our oldest, uh, was from Western Australia, um, from, the United, from a uniting church over there, and she um, sponsored two kids. Um, they weren't kids, they were young adults. They were in their late high school, 19, um, and she's specifically chosen to sponsor the older kids as she's older, so that she can see them through that section of sponsorship. They're often kids that don't get readily sponsored as quickly as little children do. You know, um, so... She's, she's doing a great job in doing that thing. So they're all the kind of things that we, we, we were doing over there. So we spent time with the, um, the compassion centres, seeing what they do. They teach practical skills, whether it's like um, uh, being, being an electrician, uh, learning how to lay tiles, um, all sorts of sewing, all sorts of, uh, all sorts of practical skills to give them some um, skills that they can then use into the, the, the workforce later on. Um, we also met some of the, the, um, the university students that Compassion puts through, um, which is their leader program, and they only put a few through, but those, kids, those, those adults, the adults then, um, end up doing amazing things. Compassion pays all the way through, their, and the sponsors pay all their education all the way through university. Um, and we met one of them, and one of the, uh, well, we met through them, but we talking with one of them. Uh, she'd come from Cap Haitian region where we were before um, and went to university in um, Port-au-Prince, did a double degree in economics and journalism, um, and is now back in Cap Haitian, and she runs a, a radio program giving um, advice but also on a, a more regular basis, she um, is part of a lending cooperative to the people within Cap Haitian so that they can come and ask for a small loan to be able to um, help themselves set up a business or something. So it's giving back to the community in practical ways. 
and Compassion has educated her all through that process so that she can actually do that for the wider community. So there's some amazing things that they do. But I wanted to, while we're looking at all these things, I think it's really, really amazing. We've been challenged um, to see the world differently by being able to go there and see the amazing things that Compassion does. And so I, I was asked, I was thinking about the question that, um, that we should focus on for today, which is, you know, can we do more with our life? That's the question that I want us to think about. Can we do more with our life? And so the thing is, the answer is yes. We can always do more. We can always step up from what we currently do. When we were in Haiti, we got to go to the head office of Compassion um, in, in, in Haiti, uh, and we met the country director. And he said to us, he said, I want to give you a challenge. I want to challenge you to do something. And we're thinking, okay, what could we do? Well, what is it he's going to challenge us? Sponsor another child. He said, I don't want you just to go out and sponsor another child. And we went, oh, that's a bit odd. From, from the director of the child sponsorship program, he's going, I don't want you to just to go out and sponsor another child. He goes, now you've seen it, yes, go, and now you see what Compassion does here in Haiti. Um, yes, you could go and sponsor another child. That will make um, a great difference. But I want to challenge you to do something even bigger. I want to challenge you to become an advocate for those who have little, for those who are oppressed. I want you to challenge you to speak up, become an advocate for compassion, become an advocate for those who don't have. And this is where I want to come to Scripture. I'm going to read you a passage of Scripture, and it comes from Isaiah, and it's pretty hard. Let me, let me give you, Isaiah was never a nice, easy writer. If you're reading scripture and you're reading through Isaiah, he's going to sock it to you. He's going to call it as it is. And he saw abuse in the church. He saw the church going in the wrong directions. He saw people's society going in the wrong way. And God was there speaking to him to get these people to change their ways. So I'm going to share with you this piece of scripture, which comes from Isaiah 1. Verses 10 through to 20. And we're going to focus on a verse on this. So, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instructions of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fatted animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. We ate a lot of goat when we were in Haiti. That was probably the biggest dish that we ate was goat. Every, just about every meal had some form of goat. Beans, rice and goats. So, <laughs> Never eaten goat before? There we go. Uh, when, you appear to, when you come to appear before me, you have asked this of you, this trampling of my courts, Stop bringing the meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbath, convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. This is hard stuff. This is God 
talking to the people of Israel about how he cannot stand what they are doing. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate them with all my being. They have become a burden to me and I'm weary of bearing them. And when you spread out your hands in prayers, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listing. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sights and stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Come, now let us settle this matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Tough stuff, isn't it? If we think that we've got it right, that just by, by being the church in an affluent society like we are and coming in and saying a few prayers, God is saying you can do so much more in your life and you should do more in your life. Isaiah is telling us we need to step it up. And he says we need to learn to do the right thing, to seek justice, to defend those who are oppressed. And, and, and it's, it's really interesting. Have you noticed when we read this, who do you think of when we think of oppressed? Do we think of anybody in particular? Is there it, All those pictures you saw of those kids, do we classify them as oppressed? Maybe not, because they look happy, don't they? But let me tell you that some of the things that we do as a Western civilization, as a first world kind of thing, actually ends up oppressing those people. We have systems, we have ways of doing things that keep us rich and keep them poor, keep them downtrodden. One of the biggest things that really shocked the people on the trip, and because I've been to Haiti before, it didn't shock me as much. But it's always, it's always confronting. The level of rubbish that is in these countries is amazing. It's the unused plastic bags, food containers, just stuff, you know, you finish it, you throw it away. And you think, only if you could start to clean that up, it would make a difference. There are countries that have been subjected to flooding and flooding because of the level of rubbish they have. They did one thing. They banned plastic bags. And those countries no longer have drains that are flooding because the plastic bags aren't clogging up their sewage systems and their stormwater systems. And suddenly they have better sanitation, they have cleaner areas, and they start to become a better civilization because of the one change. If we keep on flooding cheap stuff into these communities, it will always cause an issue. So even when we think we're doing some, some good things, maybe we are being the oppressor in this situation. We think that we need to defend them now. Step up and take a difference. Take up the cause of the fatherless. 
That little child you saw that Chris said was one of the hardest things he'd been to, he was a fatherless child. We asked the family, the mum, about it and said, oh, no, Dad's never around. He's not here. Fatherless. Plead for the case of the widow. Those who just don't have. So that's what we need to do. But do we do it just because we want to feel good about ourselves, just because we think it's the right thing or it's the cool thing to do? The answer is no. Because Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of to the interest of the others. So it's about actually having a heart, not for you and what you can get out of this. And so the thing is, when you get involved in this stuff, when you actually step up and do more for, for those who are less, yes, you do actually feel good about yourself. You do actually get the boost, but you're not doing it for that reason. You're doing it because God is telling us and because we have a heart for those who are, who are poor. So I want to share with you Seven practical things that you can do if you want to change your life. If you want to go, I can do more than this. There's more to my life than just what there is. And it doesn't matter what age you come to this. You can do more. And here are the seven things. I'm going to just put them up on the screen so you can see them all. The first is we need to see the need that is around us. There's no one as blind as those who are unwilling to see. Difficult statement, isn't it? Sometimes we look, we see the, what's going on, and we just don't recognise, we don't understand, we don't look, we don't even see that there are people who are being oppressed. Then we actually need to, if you see it, we then need to let it sink into our, our, our very heart, into the very centre of us. Let it become something that gives us some emotion. Let it draw into you. It's okay to be angry if you see oppression. It's okay to be shocked. It's okay to be overwhelmed because that is God speaking to you in this moment and letting that, that need come into you. And so what's it going to do? It's going to push you to do more. Can you do more? Yes as long as you don't become cynical. So the thing is that so often we become very cynical about things. Oh, well, we can never change it. They've done it to themselves. It's just society. It's not my issue. You know, we can become cynical about it. So we need to be, not become cynical. The next step. So we've seen a need. We're taking it to heart. We're not becoming cynical about it. We then need to be able to pray about it. You know, if you really want to change your life to do more, start to pray about it. Pray for those who are oppressed. Pray specifically that, that they will know God's will in their lives. It's an amazing thing. If you start praying for those people who are oppressed, that they'll know God's will for their life, things are going to happen. Pray that they would do God's will in their life. Pray that they will have a be productive in their lives. Pray for them 
to have a growing relationship with God. Pray that they will have power in their lives. Pray that they will have a right attitude. You know, when we were in, when we were in Haiti, the one thing that we noticed, church was so different, wasn't it, Chris? Yes. It, apart from being hot and apart from wearing, you know, shirt and tie, and because I wasn't preaching, I didn't have to wear a suit, so that was wonderful. Um, but it, apart from those things, the place was packed, wasn't it? There were probably about 1,500 people packed in the church service we're at. They were on the stairs, everywhere, and all, you know, just wanting to hear the message. We got there partway through the service because they didn't think we could last the whole length of the service. It was okay for us to come in partway through. But they would start really early morning. They didn't think we could last six hours of service, but their services are big. Now they'll have Sunday school and kids, kids coming together. They'll have um, the youth choir. They'll have the adult choir. They'll have the singing. They'll have the Bible readings. They'll have the sermon and the message. And people will get really animated and really involved. And they'll have visitors come. And, then we'll, and they'll be really pleased. And they were so pleased to hear us and see us. They were even pleased because one of the, one of the girls could actually speak French. And so, because French is... Um, uh, a language that they speak and so she spoke French to them and that was just so amazing because there was no translator in that here's this person visiting from Compassion doing this and they can speak the language that we know amazing stuff but they are so passionate about God and what God can do they expect God to turn up and do something and that's an amazing thing and that's because people are praying for them and they're praying for a change. They're praying for believers. We need to be able to pray and do that an amazing thing. The other thing that you'll notice about church services in, um, in any, any um, country other than our civilised Western society is, is that sound systems are turned up to 12. So they crank it up as high as you can go. It just doesn't matter. It's got to be loud. Have you experienced that, Mark? Yep, it's always loud, isn't it? It doesn't matter whether it feeds back, it's loud. Um, but, but that's because they want to tell everybody. They want people outside of the church building to hear what's going on. Because they believe in their message. And see, the next thing, if you really want to make a change, if you want to step up and do something in your life, find somebody else that thinks the same. Find others that feel the same about this issue. And that, that's simple. If you, if, you, if you have a heart and a passion for kids who are in poverty, there's an easy thing. Compassion already does that. They have a heart for it. They've got the churches, they've got heart for it. When a compassion centre is, is being thought about, being put in, they will approach the church, they'll look at the church, and they have to have a passion and a heart for kids. They have to have an ability to do the work. And so you're looking for people that have similar ideas as you. If you want to do something more in your life and God's putting something in your heart in an area of need, find somebody else. Find others that have the same thing and get together and do something. It's, it helps you and will make a difference when you, need, when you do this. Don't just become um, just a small thing, but become an advocate. Get involved. Make the change in your life so that you can do more to others. Maybe you need to cut back on something. Maybe you need to make a change in the way you behave so that you can make a change in others. That's the difference that starts to come out because you have seen the need. 
You've let it sink into your heart. You haven't become cynical. You've been praying for them. God's been putting this on your heart. You're finding others that that are there and encouraging you. You're becoming an advocate for those. And then you then you get to the final thing. You change the level of your faith in God. You let God work through you and you let your life be changed. You don't resist God's movement in your life and that will cause a massive change in your life. So I hope that you've seen a little bit of insight into, into compassion, that it is actually an amazing organisation. It's doing amazing work It's sad that in countries such as India, India has actually banned Christian organisations doing helping work for that. The the government said to to all of the Christian organisations said, you are no longer going to be able to work here. Um, And then a number of those organisations took them to the High Court. The High Court said, you as the government need to overturn this because the kids are more important than your your ideology. The government has ignored that and they're no longer allowed to, outside organisations are allowed to work there. So compassion works in amazing areas where the country will let them and it does amazing work. What happens, what the lives that are changed because of this is amazing and we can step up and we can do more. So I encourage you, if God's been speaking into your heart at this moment, saying, maybe I need to do a little bit more. Maybe if you've got a sponsored child and you haven't written to them, that's something that you can do. Because the joy they have in hearing from a person that they've never met on the other side, asking how they're going and saying that I am praying for you and really praying for them, that makes a massive difference and boost in those kids' lives. Maybe you're being touched to say, I want to do a little bit more. Maybe I I might actually look at what I can do with compassion or maybe there's another issue God is placing in your heart. Let that sink in. So let's just pray this moment and then we're going to take up our offering and we're going to sing a song. Gracious Lord, we just give you thanks for today. We give you thanks for this time of being able to meet together, to meet in worship, to meet in celebration, to share the message that you have for us, found in Scripture, that we can be people that will fight for those who are oppressed, that we can be the change that you are creating in the world. Our Lord, we ask that you bless us, not because of the righteousness that we have, because because of the love that you have placed on us. Bless us that we may make the change in our lives so that we may bless those around us with what we have, with our life, our passion, with the money that we have, with the gifts that you bestowed upon us. Lord, we ask this in your holy name, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.